Let's uh, turn our Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 2, and let's stand together. I'll lead in prayer, and we'll read Luke 2, 8 to 14. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your goodness to us, your faithfulness through all these years, and your promise, especially here at Christmas time, the hope that uh, this season offers not only to the people back then, but to the world today. We thank you that uh, you came as a baby and that you lived and dwelt among us, that you understand our infirmities because you were, in fact, a human being. Thank you again for your blessings to us and especially this service. We pray, especially in these next moments, as Nate comes to preach, that you would give him the uh, clarity of words and thoughts Pray that he would be blessed and all of us together as we um, hear your word, that it would, be, it would impact us in a new and fresh way again this morning. We pray this through Christ and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 14. Luke 2, 8 to 14. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You may be seated. One of the aspects of preaching a series of messages is that sooner or later we face the question, should I continue in the series or should I interrupt the series to address some other special occasion? And such was my situation when preparing for the message uh, today, the Sunday before Christmas. One of the factors that I considered when thinking about this question was the uh, next subject that awaits us in the Sermon on the Mount, which is fasting. Now, fasting does not tend to be a very popular subject at any time of the year, and I assume that it would especially not be very popular at this time of the year. But uh, after listening to uh, Joe, I was thinking, well, maybe we should have had a message on fasting here before the, uh, the week of Christmas and holidays and get-togethers. I do believe that's a very important subject, and uh, hopefully when we look at that subject, we can uh, look at it with seriousness and application, applying it to our lives in personal ways. But for this morning, I chose to uh, break from the series in the Sermon on the Mount and focus instead on a Christmas message. Now, as I, begin, as I began preparing this message in my mind, I was picturing gathering in the church and I was picturing the young people sitting up front, as is our common practice. And I missed that here this morning. Look forward to uh, being able to continue that later on. 
But since you're not up front here, I'd like all the 12 and 13-year-olds to stand up. And just stay standing for a little bit. I have a question for you. When you think of the Christmas story, who are some of the characters that come to your mind? I'd like to hear a response from you. Who are some of the characters that come to your mind when you think of the Christmas story? Shepherds. Joseph. Angels. Wise men. Is there anyone else? Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> okay. You may be seated. I'm sure there would be others we could think of as well. King Herod, the innkeeper, and so forth. Uh, some of them played more of a uh, major role. Some of them maybe more of a less significant role. This morning, I would like to think specifically about the angels. Angels appeared at least six times in the events immediately preceding and following the birth of Christ. And of course, every time they came with a message. That is why angels appear. They appeared to give a message. Angels are messengers from God. In fact, the word angel means messenger. As you look at it in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, in the Greek, from the New Testament, the word angel simply means messenger. And most of the times when an angel appeared, it was because they had a message to bring. We just sang the song, The Message. There's a message that the angels brought. That is why the angels came. And to me, it seems like the message that they brought must have been rather significant if God saw fit to send an angel from heaven to earth to bear this message, he must have had something that he wanted men to hear, to receive. Now, another question I'd like a response to. This will be open to anyone. What were some of the messages that the angels bring? And I'm not looking for an entire recitation from the beginning to end, but just some phrases. What were some messages that the angels brought? What's your response? Good tidings. Glory to God. Fear not. Okay, there were a couple of them. What was over here? Protecting? Protecting the angel? And back here? Peace on earth? A child is born. Okay. Now, were the messages that the angels brought... Were they one-time messages for one person, one place, one specific occasion? Or were they immortal messages for all people of all times? Well, maybe that question is a hard one to answer because I think the answer is both. I think both are true. For example, there was a message to Mary. Thou shalt bring forth a son. That was a message that applied to her on that occasion. There was a message to Joseph. Arise and take the young child and flee. That was a specific message to a specific person at a specific time. However, in some ways, these messages are also 
immortal. And the last verse of the song that we sang as uh, we took the offering said, there's a message still for high and low. As upon that first glad morn, when the angel sang that song we know, telling of a Savior born. So some of the messages, I believe, apply to us just as well today as it did to those recipients 2,000 years ago. For example, for unto you is born a Savior. That Savior was not just for the wise men. That Savior was for you, for us today. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Is that message real today? Praise the Lord, it is. That's why we're here. Fear not applies to us today. So the focus of the sermon this morning is on the messages that the angels brought, and particularly the messages that apply to us today. And I'm just going to pull out several excerpts from these messages and focus on them this morning. The title of the message, the title of the message this morning is Angels We Have Heard on High. Do you hear the message of the angels this morning? So first of all, I'd like to look at the angel's encounter with Mary and uh, pull out several of the messages to her. And I'm going to read those verses just for, for a background to that. I'm going to move that to get the shadow out of my way. In Luke chapter 1, verses 28 to 37 is when the angel came to Mary. And if you want to follow along, I'm going to read uh, some of those verses. In verse 28, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. In verse 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Verse 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be, shall be impossible. So this was the message to Mary. And like I said, I'm just going to pull out some segments and highlight them. The first message that I'd like to look at this morning is found in verse 28. The Lord is with thee. The Lord is with thee. The message to Mary, specifically. But I believe the message to us as well this morning. And as I think about those words, the Lord is with thee, I think of the name that was given to Jesus, Emmanuel. To me, that name is one of the most special names given to Jesus. Every name is special in its own way. But I find that name a beautiful name, and I find it a beautiful Christmas message. The Lord is with you, God with us. You see, prior to the coming of Christ, God was, was generally understood to be distant. Yes, he was real. The people of God, the children of Israel, recognized God as being real. But for many people, 
He just was not very personal. And with the coming of Christ, that changed drastically. Already in the Old Testament, in fact, in our, the Sunday school passage that we studied this morning, Isaiah 7, it was prophesied that there would be a son whose name would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Just think of the significance of those words, God with us. That's a pretty astounding thought. The God of creation was to come in a personal form, and with Jesus, this was realized. Jesus himself said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I think this is the promise to all people in all ages. God is with us here this morning. And not only here, but as we leave this place, God is with us. His promise in Matthew 28, 20, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. 1 John 4, 4, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is with us. Through the coming of his Son and his Spirit leaving with us. You know, we often think of God as, you know, some of his attributes, and we think of his omnipresence, that he is everywhere present. But God is not only omnipresent, he is also intrinsically present. He is personally present within us. God with us. The message of Christmas. And I think this is nowhere illustrated more vividly, perhaps, than at the moment of Jesus' death. You see, in the Old Testament, people were physically separated from the physical presence of God. God's presence was, was illustrated in the tabernacle at the Ark of the Covenant, which was where his presence dwelt. But that, that location, that area, was not accessible to the common man. There was a thick veil which separated man from the presence of God. And if you entered that presence, you died, period. It was not negotiable. There was no mercy. There were no exceptions, except for the high priest when he met certain requirements. But apart from that, you entered that presence, you were a dead person. And there was a certain mystery and fear what was behind that veil? It, it, was, it was withheld from the common person. That was where God dwelt. And it, it was just separate. God was there, but I could not be. But at the moment that Jesus died, there, was, there were things took place in the earth that were just astounding. There was an earthquake. Rocks were broken apart. Graves opened up. The dead rose to life. To life. And in the temple, that veil was rent from top to bottom. I think it would have been very fascinating to witness that event. And especially if there were people present there in the, table, in the temple, as that veil was rent open. Just imagine the shock and the fear, the suspense. A am I in the presence of God? Am I going to die? At what moment will I be struck down? But I'm still alive. You see, God was now with man. The barrier was removed. God is with us. We can live in his presence without dying. Oh, the wonder of that moment, which I think 
is beyond our comprehension. This morning, the message of Christmas is that God is with us. God is with you. Beautiful message. I'll just share a few more verses. Isaiah 41.10. Now, this was a promise from the Old Testament. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. But this is God's Christmas message to us in a real way as we experience God's presence in a new way. God is with us. Well, that was the first message. I'd like to look at another aspect, another message that God gave or that the angel gave, God gave through the angel, to Mary. And that is the word, fear not. This was a very common message. In fact, every time an angel appeared in relation to this Christmas story, he uttered those two words. They were given to Zechariah. They were given to Mary. They were given to Joseph. They were given to the wise men. Fear not. It was a very common angelic message. And not only in relation to the Christmas story. Angels used those words in other occasions as well. When the angel appeared to Daniel, fear not. When angels appeared to the women at the tomb, fear not. When the angel appeared to Paul, when he was uh, on the journey to Rome in that uh, storm on the ship, again the same words, fear not. So it was a very common angelic message. But not only that, it was also a very common biblical message. Throughout the Bible, the words fear not are found more than 60 times in the Bible. Someone actually made a list of 365 times that the message is implied. Maybe it's not the exact words. Maybe it's do not fear or be not afraid or, or something like that. But 365 times when that message is given. I think that's a very appropriate message for the time in which we are living. And again, I could list a number of those verses um, that, uh, that give that promise. Do not fear. Fear not. So it was a very common angelic message. It was a very common biblical message. But it is also a very pertinent present-day message. We are living in a day when a lot of people are living in fear, when a lot of people are filled with questions. And I think the message for us, fear not, is very real. But perhaps you ask the question, well, how, how can I receive that question? Or that, how can I receive that, that statement, to not fear? You see, when the angels came and appeared to Mary or to Joseph, I think the message was very specific. You know, they were surprised by the angel's appearance, and I think the angel's message was, you know, don't be afraid because I'm standing here before you. Don't be afraid of me. Don't be afraid because I appeared. It was a very specific message. But what about a general message for us today? Doesn't that seem kind of simplistic? Ah, don't be afraid. You know, don't fear. Don't worry. It'll be okay. Isn't that overly simplistic? How can we apply that? How can those words make a difference? Well, I believe that those words in themselves will not make a difference. There needs to be something more. There needs to be something behind those words. 
And I'd like to go back to our Sunday school lesson from a couple of weeks ago, a week or two ago, as an example. Paul on his journey to Rome, and we won't turn to the passage. You remember it, we just studied it. But I will repeat some of it. In chapter 27, as Paul was journeying, in verse 4, it says, The winds were contrary. In verse 7, it says, We sailed slowly many days, the wind not suffering us. In verse 9, it says, Sailing was dangerous. Now, this was all before the storm hit. This was before the real wind. They were already facing all these difficulties. And then the storm hit. Verse 14, there arose a tempestuous wind. 15, we could not bear up into the wind. Verse 18, being exceeding tossed with a tempest. Verse 20, neither sun nor stars in many days appeared. No small tempest lay upon us. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. Now, I've been in situations where there didn't seem to be much hope. I'm not sure I was ever in a situation where there was absolutely no hope whatsoever. Here it says, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. These people were desperate, and in that situation, Paul stood up and said, be of good cheer. Frankly, I don't know why they didn't throw him overboard at that moment. How inappropriate. <laughs> be of good cheer. I mean, like, what's with you? Well, don't worry. It'll be okay. But in a couple of verses later, he repeats it again. Be of good cheer. But that time, he clarifies. And his next statement is what makes a difference. He says, be of good cheer, for I believe God. You see, there needs to be something more than just the words fear not. There needs to be something behind those words, and that is our belief in God. That makes all the difference. A number of years ago, there was a, uh, a saying, a little cliche that was going around. You'd hear people say sometimes, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I think there may have even been a song with those words. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. I heard one person express some um, misgivings with that statement. And they said, God said it, and that settles it. Whether or not I believe it doesn't make a difference. If God said it, that settles it. And I understand what that person was saying. He had a point. That was true to a degree. However, my point this morning is that what I believe does make a difference. If I do not believe in God, I have a reason to fear. God said it, and if I believe what he said, then those words, fear not, can apply to me. A person who does not believe God has a person to fear, has a reason to fear. But because we can say with, with Paul, for I believe God, we can receive the message Fear not. Fear is a tool of Satan. Satan wants to paralyze us with fear. And fear will, will paralyze us if we allow it to. It can dominate our thinking. It can just cause us to block out reality. Block out rational thinking. It can control our lives. 
But God does not want us to live in fear. This message to Mary, this message to Joseph, this message to wise men, this message to Zechariah is a message for each one of us this morning. Fear not. Jesus said in John 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And Jesus himself used those words repeatedly. Fear not. This Christmas, God has a message for you. Fear not. At the end of this interesting year, if we can call it that, of 2020, the message is fear not. And as we look ahead in anticipation to another year, God's message for us is fear not. I'd like to move on to the angel's appearance to the shepherds. The passage that Dave read a few minutes ago, I will not read that again. The angels came with a message to the shepherds. And again, I'd like to pick out just some uh, segments here. I'll pick out two. The first one, for unto you is born a Savior. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And the angel went on to say, Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. It's interesting how many of our Christmas impressions or our, how our impressions about the coming of Christ have been shaped over the years by the songs we sing, by the stories we hear, and even by the pictures that we see. I remember several years ago, I think it was a Sunday before Christmas in our Sunday school class, uh, we were discussing, well, how many wise men actually were there? One of the men in our class said, well, there were three, I know, because I saw a picture. And those pictures and those stories can influence our thinking. The only details we have about the setting of Jesus' birth is there was no room in the end in the inn, and he was placed in a manger. That's all we know. Now we typically say he was born in a stable. Was he or wasn't he? The Bible doesn't say that. For all I know, there was a manger out along the street next to the hitching post in front of the inn. And Mary and Joseph had no other place to go. And when she needed a few moments of rest, she laid Jesus in that manger. I don't know. At best, it was probably behind the inn, maybe under some overhanging rocks and a little bit of a cave there. But it's very possible that Mary and Joseph had no shelter at all. It's very possible that they had no privacy at all. It's very possible that our Savior was born in a setting where all the world could see. Furthermore, these little rustic scenes that we see perhaps even looking a little bit cozy. I don't think it was so cozy. You know, typically a manger is designated as being made of wood. But I think it was more likely carved out of stone, which was typical for that day. This was the setting in which Jesus was born. All that we know 
is that he was not born in the inn and that he was laid in a manger. Where that manger was, um, we really don't know. But regardless of the setting, the baby that was born was and is our Savior. And that's the message of the angels. For unto you is born a Savior. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, man needed a Savior. Ever since they were cast out of the garden, man needed a Savior. All of the Old Testament pointed forward to the coming of a Savior. Those Old Testament stories are so rich in meaning. A couple weeks ago at uh, Communion, we looked at one example, the example of Daniel, and how that pointed ahead to our Savior. And there's so many of those stories, so rich in meaning. So the Old Testament pointed ahead to the Savior. The Gospels record the birth and the life of the Savior. The epistles point or show the response to the Savior. The book of Revelation centers on the triumph of the Savior. And this, the angel said, the Savior is born. This is the central point of the Bible, the central point of history. Can you see why it is such a momentous event? And this is not just simply a Savior. This is the Savior. The angel goes on to say, He is Christ, the Lord, the Lord of heaven and earth, the Lord of creation, King of kings, Lord of lords. Is He your Savior this morning? Is He your Lord? Well, the angels continued the conversation with the shepherds or the uh, message to the shepherds. This shall be a sign. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, wherever that manger was. We don't know. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, which is the next message of the angels we'd like to uh, focus on here a bit this morning. Glory to God. Glory to God. In our society, this time of year has become very man-centered. For the merchants, it's all about the bottom line. It's all about getting your Christmas sales out early. Get to crowds early. Have the doorbusters to get the people in. Just watch your profits grow. For families, it's about having a good time. We might have off from work. We have off from school. We have get-togethers, parties. We have food, lots of it. For individuals, it's about gifts we give to each other. And these things are good. I'm not saying they're bad. I like buying and giving gifts. I like family get-togethers. I like spending time with my family. They're good. But are they our focus? Someone was telling me this week about a, a little uh, cartoon clipping he saw. And the one character was saying to another, I just can't wait to see what I'm going to get for Christmas. And the other person said, well, I keep trying to tell you that Christmas is not about getting, it's about giving. So the first person thought a little bit, and he said, I just can't wait to see what all my friends are going to give me for Christmas. You see, we become so self-focused. Where is God? The angel's message was glory to God, not glory to man, glory to God. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. You see, what God did for man 
was not something that we deserve. It was his goodwill. It was a gift. His goodwill that provided it. How does God receive the glory at Christmas? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Notice the two-way action in this statement involves both God and man. God expresses his goodwill to man, and we, in turn, give him the glory. We give glory to God by welcoming him and receiving his gift and acknowledging him as the giver. The message of the angels was not glory be to Mary. It was not glory to the shepherds. It was not even glory to this baby directly. But it was glory to God, which, of course, um, we recognize Jesus as God. We enjoy the items we give and receive. But do those items, does that experience point us to God? Years ago when we lived in Romania, you as a church very generously sent us a food box from time to time. And as we unpacked that food box, one thing that we did was write the names of the people that gave a certain item on the container. So months later, we'd get out a jar of peanut butter and we'd see one of your names on that jar. And we enjoyed thinking about you as we enjoyed that item, whatever it was. And we still have the opportunity to do that. Some of you may have given us cookies or other good things. and We enjoy the cookies. But we also enjoy thinking about you as we enjoy those items, something that uh, kind of becomes a tradition from year to year. And in the same way, the gift of Christmas is to draw our minds to God. Glory be to God. I'd like to go back now to Matthew and consider one more message as we conclude here. And that is the message to Joseph. The angel appeared to Joseph at least on three different occasions. The angel came to Joseph before the birth of Jesus and told him, fear not, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. Joseph was having some misgivings about what was taking place here. He didn't understand exactly what had happened. The angel explained that to him. So that was the first time. Then after Jesus was born, the angel told Joseph, arise, take the young child and flee. And then even later, he was told that it's time to return. And I'd like to focus on that last message in Matthew chapter 2, verse 20. No, it's not in verse 20. Um, yeah, chapter 2, I was looking at chapter 1. Chapter 2, verse 20. The angel, when Herod was dead, in verse 19, the angel said, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel. Now, just a clarification, this was a specific message to a specific person at a specific time. The message was Joseph was supposed to take Jesus and Mary and return to the land of Israel. Someone has said every passage of Scripture has one interpretation, but many applications. And obviously the interpretation, Joseph was supposed to take Jesus back to Israel. But I'd like to make an application to that message this morning. The, the message from the angel was, arise and go. This morning, 
As we think about Christmas, the angel's message, God's message to you is arise and go. You see, when the shepherds returned, they did not keep their mouths shut. They glorified and praised God. There was one thing on their mind, and I think everyone they met knew what was on their mind. So what are you talking about this Christmas? What conversations dominate your Christmas gatherings? What conversations dominate the lunchroom conversations at work or the youth group gatherings? If you remove politics and pandemics and weather and football from your conversation, what would you have left to talk about? Do our conversations glorify God? The message is, arise and go. You see, now it is your turn to be an angel. Some of us as children have or had this misconception that when people die and go into heaven, we turn into angels. We become angels. Now, I don't think that when we go to heaven, we are going to turn into an angel. But in a sense, today is your time to be an angel. While you are here on earth is your time to be an angel. Do you remember what an angel is? Do you remember what the word angel means? It's a messenger. And God wants you to be his messenger. You're called to be a messenger from God. And in that sense, you are an angel. So I say unto you, arise and go. Go and tell the good news. Tell the good news to the people you, met, you meet. Now suppose these angels would have come to Mary or to Joseph or to the shepherds and would have felt self-conscious about their message. And they just simply sat down and visited with them. And they talked about the weather. They talked about current events. They talked about what was happening. And they said, well, I need to go. Imagine what would be missing from the Christmas record. Imagine if you meet up with your neighbor and all you talk about is the weather and current events. Think about what is missing. God's message is arise and go. That would have been a dismal failure on the part of the angels. Is it any less of a failure on our part, on our part today? So what is the message that God has given you? For some, it may be a message of fear not. You may know someone who needs your comfort. Don't fail to do your duty. For some, it may be a message of great tidings, of good tidings, of great joy. For others, it may be a message of peace on earth. There's a lot more that could be said on this subject, but the opportunities are all around us to simply be a messenger for God. So I ask you the question this morning, have you heard a message? Have you received a message? Have you been given a message? If so, let us arise and go, as Joseph did, glorifying and praising God as the shepherds did. Let's stand for prayer. Thank you, Lord, this morning for your eternal message. Thank you that the message is not just simply a story from long ago, 
but that it is a fact and it's reality that lives today. Thank you that we need not fear, that we can appreciate the gift of a Savior today. And I pray that the messages of the angels could continue to become more and more real to us and that we in turn would share that message with those that we face from day to day. Lord, may we be your messengers and may we, may we not fail to do what you're asking us to do today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.